All right. It is Tuesday night. It's nine o'clock. That means it's time for another get off my lawn podcast. I wasn't sure if it was actually going to go live when it was counting down like that. It finally decided to take off. So apparently everybody is here with us. I um, want to welcome everybody to uh, to the podcast tonight, both on YouTube and out there in Facebook land as well. So uh, uh, hopefully everybody will uh, be jumping in here and joining us right directly. Um, we'll give it just a little bit of time for the, uh, for the notific notifications to go out over on the YouTube side, but we've got a few people checking in, um, over there on YouTube. And then there should be some more jumping in over on the, uh, on the Facebook side as well. So let's see if I can do this. Now we're already muted. Good deal. I like that. Let's see. Oh. No, we're not. I got to do that. There we go. Now I can see the comments over there. Okay. Um, you know what? It uh, it looks like it's just me tonight, but we've actually got a few people in the panel with us. So we're going to bring everybody on screen here and uh, we're going to say hello to everybody tonight and just give everyone a chance to introduce themselves. So first off, we had Pat and Lily with us. What's up, Mr. Pat and Miss Lily, if she's there with you? Oh, not much. Uh, <clears throat> just enjoying a nice evening. And uh, yeah, Miss Lily is uh, over in the corner running around with the tissue in her mouth. So uh, she'll surely be joining us at some point in time tonight. So no, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for being here. All right. Next up, we've got Mr. Nighthawk Medic in the house. What's up, Mr. Nighthawk? Hey, not much. Sand Hill, thanks for having me on board, brother. It's good to be here. You betcha. Glad to have you along. All righty. Um, we've got a couple uh, guests that we don't get to see very often that have joined us tonight. So the first one is uh, holding it down in the capital city of Lincoln, Nebraska. We don't have defense dad tonight. He had already let me know uh, he's got family in town, so he couldn't make it tonight. So I'm glad that we've still got the Star City represented. Mr. Travis, P11. What's up, sir? Long time yeah, no see. That puts a lot of responsibility on my shoulders when I get to film for Defense Dad, too. So, uh, no, I was <laughs> hey, I'm doing all right, man. I appreciate the invite. You know, I, I, thanks for thanks for having me back on. It's been a while since I've been here, but it feels good to be back. So, uh, appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. You bet. Thanks for being here. All right. And then we've also got... Uh, a guest who, uh, who we haven't seen in a while, but he's not a stranger to the podcast. We've got Yehuda Reamer, also known at, well, we had him. He was just here. He will hopefully be back here in just a second, but uh, we'll get Yehuda back in here. Uh, he's got a couple things that he wants to talk about tonight, too, along with, with all the fun stuff we're going to cover. Um, all righty. Well, let's see who is joining us out there. Um, on the Facebook side, we've got, uh, Mr. Petrolino's out there. Uh, Michael Adams in the house. Charlie Cook is in the house as well. Um, over on the YouTube side, we've already got quite a discussion going. Uh, we've got Justin Gibbons out there. Sandhill Sweetheart is out in the chat. Uh, and of course she's in the producer's chair, uh, where I like to have her for these. So, uh, she's out there holding it down, doing the typing while I'm doing the talking. Uh, who else do we have? Jefferson Martial Arts is in the house. Artak and Daughters. Um, Iron Horseman is out there. G23. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have out there? Pat Hirsch doing double duty. 
Um, and I know they're all up oh, Nighthawk doing double duty. I know there's going to be more people joining as we, uh, as we go along. There's Yehuda back. So we've got Mr. Pew Pew Jew himself. What's up, Mr. Reamer? Maybe. Can you hear us? You're not muted. C can you hear me? Okay. He just said that he, he just, can't. He just said he can't hear anybody in the private chat. Uh oh, I didn't see that one. Okay, I'm here. Can, can you hear us now? I can hear you now. Perfect. All right. Well, I just introduced you. So, hi. How, howdy, how are you? Well, we're doing all right. How are you doing? How's things going on down in Texas? Oh, it's been a wild five weeks. Uh, my family, my wife, and my two older kids all had corona, so we've been kind of quarantined for a while. Uh, this this week was the first week where everyone's kind of out and about and um, not looking to wring each other's necks. <laughs> a little bit of too much family togetherness there for a while. Oh, you know, it's it's fun, it's great, but at the end of the day, it's it's you know, you, you need some some away time yep, i hear you i hear you we're just getting over that gunk here at our house too i finally made it back to work for the first time today so uh very very happy that um that i was able to to finally get back to work the the fever hung around and hung around and hung around and i uh, finally kicked that loose i think on sunday <clears throat> excuse me so uh every now and then i still get the dry cough and the tickle in the throat so uh, we'll do our best to get through the podcast tonight without uh, taking too many too many breaks for me to uh, cough my head off here. Um, but uh, glad to, to hear that you all are doing better um, and that you're on the uh, on the downhill slide now, and, and everybody's everybody's feeling okay. So very very happy to have you with us here. Thank um, you. All right, now real quick, I just want to uh, give a couple uh, housekeeping things here. Um, if you are out there on the YouTube side, we can't see you unless you're commenting. So go ahead and, uh, drop those comments out there in the live chat so that we know you're out here. Um, and if you're catching this on replay, go ahead and drop those comments too. Um, because we want to know that you were here and what you, uh, what you had to, to say, um, whether you agree, disagree with anything that we say, um, for sure. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the channel or liked the Facebook page, please do so. Uh, make sure that you mash that share button. That's the best thing that you can do for us is uh, get this out in front of more and more people all the time. Um, if you want cool Sandhill shooter gear like the hat that, that Pat's wearing, the one that I'm wearing, um, you can go to blackswantactical.com. Make sure you use the uh, discount code Sandhills, but there is a Sandhills shooter collection. So go check that stuff out. Um, and then if you know anybody that would rather listen, uh, just to the audio version, steer them to us over on anchor.com or excuse me, anchor.fm slash Sandhills dash shooter. And they can catch all the episodes. Uh, last week's is now up and, and live. So everything is current over there on anchor. Um, all right. And then Another thing that we need to uh, talk about now, if you look up in the top right corner of your screen, you'll see uh, the logo for tonight's sponsor. To the, this week's episode is sponsored by Riding Shotgun with Charlie. Riding Shotgun with Charlie is a great interview show that brings you right into the heart of intimate conversations where you can be a fly on the rearview mirror. 
The show's host, Charlie Cook, talks freedom, firearms, and anything related with guests from all over the country. Filmed within the safe confines of Charlie's stagecoach, passengers open up about their lives and what is on their mind. Riding Shotgun with Charlie is available on YouTube, GunStreamer, and the OpsLens app, and most popular podcast platforms. Visit Charlie on the web at writingshotgunwithcharlie.com. And be sure to check out all his cool swag page with uh, all new Riding Shotgun with Charlie t-shirts, stickers, patches, and more. So thank you very much, Charlie, for uh, helping bring this episode to everybody tonight. And uh, be sure and go check that stuff out. Get some cool swag. Um, you can see it right at, well, you kind of can. Um, let me do this real quick. If I do this, then you can see the sticker. Charlie's always riding shotgun with me because I've got his sticker rolling. <coughs> Excuse me. So that uh, um, week in and week out, he's here with us, and, and you can always check that out as well. Um, and it looks like we've got a, uh, a super chat that has already come in. So Savage Sharpshooter93, uh, $20 super chat. Thank you very much for, uh, for that kind of love. Uh, says been a bit since I've caught one of your streams. Been missing you. Merry Christmas to you and yours, bud. Uh, Merry Christmas back to you as well. And uh, don't be a stranger. Make sure that you uh, you're catching us fairly regularly, especially now that you can do it both on YouTube and on and on the Facebook page as well. So, all right. Um, I want to have a little bit of fun tonight, and I know that there are some of the topics that we're going to cover are serious, um, but at the same time. Um, there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. I think with all of the new gun owners, we've got people that maybe don't know the answers to all of the questions. Um, I would sure hope not. I would hope, especially as a new gun owner, that you don't have answers to all of the questions. Um, if you do, then you really should, uh, share with the rest of the class, all of the answers, because some of us that have been doing this for a long, long time still don't have um, all the answers and, and I'll be the first one to admit that. So, um, there's a lot of things that people want to know. Sometimes they're not sure who to ask or, or even where to start, uh, when it comes time to getting info for, for some of this stuff. So we're going to go ahead and tackle the big one that everybody wants to know about, but nobody's sure who to talk to, um, or how to ask this question. So I'm just going to let everybody kind of go around the horn and rest my voice a little bit. Um, but um, we're going to, we're just going to lay this on everybody. Pat, we're going to start with you. Um, I don't know if you have any experience with concealed carry. So if, if you don't, then you can go ahead and defer the question if you want to. But the big one that everybody's going to want to know about is you're out in public. You've got to use that public restroom what do you do with your carry piece? Well, thank you. Um, yes, I do have a concealed carry weapon and uh, I do have the permit to go along with it. Um, <clears throat> most of the time when I do sit down to do business or the paperwork, <laughs> um, I either try to hang it up on the hook that's on the door, or if the hook is not available, it is usually sitting on my lap, but not right in my lap, if you know what I mean. <laughs> because a floor is a dirty place. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All righty. Um, 
And like I said, we're just going to kind of find out if it's the general consensus, if there's anything else that's going on. So Nighthawk, we're going to kick that one over to you. Um, be as, as candid as possible without being um, losing our PG rating tonight. Uh, everybody <laughs> keep that in mind too as, as you're thinking of how to answer this. But uh, when, when nature calls and you're away from home, what do you do with your carry piece? You know, and uh, this is actually, it's funny that you bring this up because I answered this question yesterday. Um, <laughs> I carry paddle holsters. And so for me, those assistance bars that are now mandatory in every public bathroom in the world, my Glock 19 on a paddle holster will wedge perfectly in between those assistance bars with the barrel not pointed towards anything important, right? Except for the floor. Um, but for the individual that was speaking to me, her intention was to carry... Um, in the waistband up front. And we talked about taking that weapon and finding different places to put it to including what I call the magical toilet paper wrap. So that's actually where you roll up a, a, a good square inch of toilet paper on your hand and set it, the weapon on the floor away from anywhere where somebody could get to it with the toilet paper under it so that you're not catching uh, colorful disorders off of the floor. <laughs> All right, not a bad plan either. All right, Travis, we're going to pick on you next when uh, when things have to happen. Um, what mm -hmm. do you do with, with your carry piece? Well, I usually knock on the wall, and the person sitting next to me, I just have them hold on to it, and then I just get it back from them when I'm done. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it actually yeah, seems like honestly, the, the best plan, yeah. yeah Buddy yeah, system. Yeah. Hey, courtesy flush here, hold on to that. Um, no, I just, <laughs> I just set it on top of the toilet paper holder right next to me because it's flat. The little boxes that the TP rolls are in, generally those are flat now because they have like a little two, two tube, you know, system or whatever. I just set it on top of there. That works yeah, too. Good to go. I'm a, Kydex, I'm a Kydex holster. So, yep. All right. Now, I've got a funny feeling <laughs> that uh, when I go over to Yehuda, we're going to get a completely different kind of an answer here. <laughs> so, when when that time comes, what do you think is the best solution, sir? Okay, well, first off, until my invention comes out, uh, I I I put it wherever is every toilet stall is different. So wherever I can find a safe place for it, that's where it goes. However, and this is something that I've been I'm not gonna say I've been working on it, but it's been a a thought of mine for a while and a fan of mine actually came up with the blueprints. Um, I've invented something. And uh, John, I don't know if you can post the image, um, but feel free, the one I sent you. Um, um, let me see if I can... Let me see if I can get that. Well, you go ahead and talk while I'm looking for it here. Yeah, so um, I've invented something actually called the Number Two Amendment. And what it is is an industrial sized, or not industrial sized, an industrial strength suction cup that has one of those hooks, you know, that like suction it even more. And there's a little hook on it so that you can kind of put it on any surface, suction it to any surface, and then hang up your gun. And I have dubbed it the number two amendment. So I know uh, I sent you the, the soap, so-called blueprints of it so uh, if you want to post it by all means but this is something that uh i have thought about quite extensively clearly 
if you need that field tested or reviewed, I'll be more than happy to do that for you. I, you know, I appreciate that, Travis. <laughs> yep, I actually yep. have to get I'll it. Even made send it back when I'm done. Yeah, I actually have to get it uh, made first. But uh, all right, man. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty funny. Um, it's a pretty funny idea, um, and the name just was so perfect. So I have a question. So section cups being dubious, are you going to specifically put something on there that says not for use with SIGs because they like to drop fire? <laughs> so that th there it is. That That's kind of what this fan of mine invented. Now, I've never really furthered, did further research on the number two amendment. So if there's anyone out there who likes to tinker and build things, please let me know. And, you know, we can definitely, uh, well, we, we can talk and maybe make some money by creating a absurd contraption called the number two amendment. Kickstarter, man. We haven't yeah, had a that... Kickstarter in a long time or Indiegogo. He's well, drawing the weapon out of the holster to insert it in that thing. <laughs> now, does that also well, double as an auto seer if you take it off? The <laughs> count me in. Like I said, one one of my followers um, when I talked about this on another podcast called Tundra Tactical, good buddy of mine Tyler, uh, we were joking around about it, and then like 24 hours later, um, one of the people following me sent me this, and I was like, <laughs> absolutely awesome. Um, clearly it needs, uh, some work. So like I said, <laughs> anyone, uh, anyone want to jump, uh, you know, jump into bed with me and do this. Let me know. You know, awesome. a suction cup with a bag would be sufficient in reality, right? So Such something you can leave in your holster because you really don't want to take the weapon out of the holster because that's the best trigger protection. But uh, uh, like an open, like a drop pouch, like we used to carry for dropping magazines in, that would be perfect. You could put almost any size weapon in that you wanted. The suction cup would be able to hold it to the wall, and then you never have to worry about hold it, pulling it out of the holster and potentially exposing the trigger. Right. But talk the to the, the Night Eyes company because they've got some cool stuff like that that have the the little vinyl-coated wire. Um, you know, kind of like you've got that little dump bag that you can – you can mount to your your card vent yeah. or whatever you know those are usually a little flimsy but night eyes makes some kind of stuff that uh it's it's got little pouches like that and and they've got the the heavier wire that you can uh um actually hold some stuff of you know a little more, more substantial weight so maybe maybe yehuda you should get together with night eyes and see if you can come up with some sort of a joint product where it's it's kind of like that but you can go suction cup or wire it so you could just you can hook it right to wherever wherever yeah, you happen to be I mean, I, I, i've never heard of uh night eyes but I'll, I'll definitely look uh look them up uh but you know like i said this this all started off um you know as a gimmick as a, a as a ploy and i think at the same time it, it always will be but um <laughs> hey who knows right Oh, it was it was kind of funny tonight when I had uh, sent an email out earlier to to give a heads up to to people who wanted to be on the panel of what we were going to talk about, and uh, all of a sudden Yehuda, I I think just about peed himself. Everybody uh, <laughs> wanting to to get back to me and and show me um, that picture of the the number two amendment um, to uh, 
uh, maybe get that included tonight. So I, I'm I'm very glad that uh, that you've got that as an option out there in the works. Um, and we can't wait to uh, to see the number two amendment become the number one hottest gift item next year at Christmas time. I mean, exactly. that is the one thing you can get for the gun owner that already has it all. I mean, that pretty much yeah. is, is the unfilled niche. That's, That's the last remaining thing <laughs> that I need in my gun box. I'm, right I'm pretty sure that the, the gun guy or gal who has it all doesn't have that yet. So, and I mean, yep. you got to buy multiples. You got to have one for your car, one for the wife's car, you know, one for like your EDC, one for your bug out bag. I mean, heck yeah, you know, you need to sell these in five packs because one just isn't going to work. So, you got to have more. Yep. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, we've got definitely multiple opportunities for, for add on sales there, too. Um, looks like over on the Facebook side, Michael says, I take my belt off and hook my holster or weapon on it and hang it on the hook on the back of the door or wrap it around the toilet paper holder. Um, so that's also a really, really great, um, great way to do that. Just as long as um, um, you have the the time and and sometimes the elbow room, right, the space oh, yeah. to uh, to even be able to shuck your belt off in in the stall. So, um, and I guess I never did answer that question myself, but it it just kind of depends on the stall and. Um, how things are set up if because i typically carry on my belt about the the 330 position and uh if there's not a chance of anybody being able to even see the thing you know like i said depends on the angle but if it's up against the wall then uh, i don't even worry about it usually i just leave it right where it is um if i'm worried that it is accessible to uh, anybody that could see it and potentially, you know, reach underneath the stall, which I don't care if you're reaching for a, a handgun or a $50 bill or whatever it is. If you're reaching underneath a bathroom stall, you, you take a chance. You never know what you're going to come back with. Just, just <laughs> saying, but, um, I mean, a bloody, you, you, well, you just never know, do you? <clears throat> so, um, if it's got to come out of the holster, then, um, I try to, uh, um, just find a, a spot maybe um you know in, in inside the trousers there when when they are when you're doing your business um is a pretty safe place nobody's going to reach underneath the the divider and you know reach in between my ankles i figure even if they would happen to know that something was was you know gently placed in there but you just safety is is tantamount in a situation like that because you don't have any trigger guard protection then so just make sure you you never drop your guard with what you're doing when it comes time to um replace that handgun back into its holster or, or what have you so that that's the biggest thing is if you're going to take it out of its holster then you know just make sure you're following all the safety rules um for the entire time that it's out of there until it's back in its holster and the and the trigger guard is sufficiently covered again that's what i would say make sure you keep that in mind so all right, I led off with my question, and I've got a few others that we can get to, but I, I got a notion that a few people on the panel maybe have got some some other good stuff. So um, we'll just kind of go around the horn and give everybody a chance to um, come up, you know, to, to list their own question that either they've always wanted to know and they actually want, maybe you guys want to run it through the panel yourselves because you're curious what the answers are going to be, or, or maybe it's something that people ask you about all the time. Um, or, uh, things that, you know, people, again, it, 
it could be that you just think maybe people want to know about this stuff. So, um, so let's go back around the horn, the, the opposite direction we just did. We'll start with Yehuda. Um, do you have any other questions that people, um, either give you all the time or, um, you know, when it comes to, especially to the, to the new gun owners, um, you know, what's something that, uh, um, we should be asking everybody their, their opinion or their way that they do something. Um, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question because, you know, everyone does something different. So for the new gun owners, you know, I, I get questions a lot. I mean, really, the, as as an Orthodox Jew um, who tries to educate Jews, not just on their Second Amendment rights, but, you know, firearms education, um, especially gun safety. You know, one of the questions I'm asked most is, uh, what gun should we buy for our EDC. And obviously I tell them, I'm like, I, I can't answer that for you. Mm -hmm. So that, that's probably that question. I mean, I, I mean, I I'm sure everyone here will probably have the same answer, but that's probably the most common question I'm asked is what, what gun should I get either for my EDC or for my first gun? Yeah. And I think that we could probably answer um, or speak for the whole panel when, when we say exactly what you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to answer. Um, and I, I always tell people that's no different than, um, asking somebody what's the best kind of underwear for me to buy, or what are the, what's the best pair of shoes for me to buy? Well, there are so many different instances that you might need a pair of shoes and, and different things. And you might need different shoes for different occasions. Um, I would never tell you what kind of underwear to buy because I don't know what fits you the best. You know, that's, that's not for me to say. Um, and choosing a gun, uh, whether it's everyday carry or home defense or whatever is the case. I mean, that is as unique as individual and as personal as picking out shoes or underwear. So, right. um, if you wouldn't ask somebody what kind of underwear you should own, then don't ask that same person what kind of gun you should own either, because uh -huh. they're not qualified to answer it for you. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I tell everybody it's all preference. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're looking for a gun to carry, say go to the gun range, tell them you're looking for a carry gun. What are some of the most popular guns on the market? Rent them out, shoot them, whichever one feels best. That's the one you get. Exactly. Especially the, the one that feels the best and you can be the most accurate with. That's what exactly. I tell people. So, um, so we won't spend a whole lot of time covering that. Does anybody on the panel have anything besides what we've already said when it comes to what gun should I buy? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's pretty much Bible when it comes to buying your first gun. Right? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Exactly. Right. Um, now let's, let's, Turn that on its ear just a little bit, though. Um, Yehuda had already mentioned one great place, but let's say that you don't have a range close by where um, you've got options to go and, and rent several different firearms. I mean, I know of, of a couple around Omaha or Lincoln, but there's nothing in my area of Nebraska. And there's nothing, in, it, to my knowledge, in most of Nebraska, as far as ranges go, that rent out firearms. So if you're in an area where that's not an option, then let's just talk about this. If, if I'm looking for 
a new either carry gun or um, home defense gun, or I'm looking to buy something new, where are some other options where I can start doing some research in lieu of going to um, a place that rents guns? So um, what do you guys think about that? We'll just let anybody jump in that wants to there. I send people to YouTube channels and that may seem fairly self-serving, but ultimately a lot of times people have done some level of research, right? The question is not zero, right? They've, mm -hmm. by the time they get to me, they've been to a couple of different gun stores or we're standing in one, right? And I will refer to them to YouTube channels who have similarly shaped people, right? So if you are about this height and about this hand size or whatever else, we have a gun tuber that does that. <laughs> and has probably reviewed that firearm and talks about how it fits and shoots for them. And so um, that's a big resource that we have out there that also increases what I would call uh, viewership and exposure for what we're trying to do here. Oh, good answer. Yeah, I'll throw a little something extra on on top of that. Um, at least around in our area where uh, I have had people approach me on their first uh, gun purchase. Um, between me and my brother and my cousin, you know, we have several firearms and uh, let them handle it safely unloaded first, obviously. And, uh, you know, for areas out here, usually there's plenty of people. If someone comes up to them, like friends or family, especially, you know, asking, what should I get for this particular situation? And most of us out here are going to be like, well, why don't you just come out to my house some evening and you can try this out. You can look at this. You can see how this feels. You can do this. You can do that. So, yeah, I mean, friends and family, I, if, if they're knowledgeable in firearms and uh, have some to sample, I mean, that, that's, that's another way besides going to a gun range or uh, even going to a gun shop and uh, just kind of see what feels good to them. That actually worked out really well for Sandhill Sweetheart the first time that we met up with our friend uh, Trish Harold. And uh, Trish gave her some shooting instruction and she brought along just a, a whole case full of different handguns and and uh, had her shoot several different things to find out what um, what felt the best in her hand and and uh, um, again it, it goes back to you know you've got you've got to eventually try things yourself um, but you know that was the day that we found out that tiny little guns with tiny little grips um, don't suit her well she she likes something with with more um, more metal or, or more polymer in the frame, a little bit heavier, bigger framed um, handgun than you know, not a not a Glock forty two or a forty three, something a little bit bigger than that. Like that's how she picked out her Walther. Uh, just real quick with our family, we had a bunch of ladies that got their carry permits this winter, about six or seven of them, and a few of them had never shot guns before. Some of them had some firearms, but not their own carry permits. So a bunch of us just pulled together. A variety of different handguns they were all basically nine millimeter a couple 380s a bunch of different price points different sizes different kind of you know feel and recoil and so on and just ran them through you know five ten rounds on each one until they found which one was most comfortable and then narrowed it down to the ones that they liked the best and that's what they wrote down and that's what some of them went and bought when it was all said and done so yeah just having a variety of pistols at that point of course it helps when you got multiple family members that have multiple guns you can bring a bunch of stuff but i think we had about 
17 different handguns that we put together for this uh, little little run through with them. And so that's what we did, which was kind of like having a mini gun store. So it's about the same idea. Nope, that works too. That works too. Um, and another suggestion I would make is um, get on social media and and find some groups in your area. Um, they might be just like a Facebook group or a, um, a MeWe group or something like that where, um, you know, there there's people in, in your area that are just gun owners and you can um, reach out and see if there's somebody maybe in one of those groups. But also um, check out the organizations that are in your area, the, the gun clubs and the shooting clubs and places like that. Um, they typically have at least one, if not several instructors um, that are part of the groups. Um, if you are a female, especially, I mean, there are places like the well-armed woman or a girl in a gun, um, the DC project, you know, uh, all those kind of, uh, of organizations and the, the similar organizations that, uh, that cater to, um, you know, not just the females, but, uh, um, whether it's ethnic groups or just everybody in general. I mean, there are lots of groups like that where you can get plugged in and, um, I'm here to tell you that it, it doesn't matter which group it is. They are some of the most welcoming, some of the friendliest, most generous, um, people that you're ever going to get to know. And, uh, it's not hard to find somebody who's got, you know, several different handguns or a couple people together who have, you know, between the, the two or three of them, they've got a, a fairly substantial collection of different things that you can try. And, uh, um, you know, for, for, not a ton of money, you know, uh, just enough to, to replace some ammo and, uh, you know, maybe a guest fee at a range or something like that. I mean, you can meet up with people and, uh, um, you know, get in touch with them and, and, uh, you know, that might be another option out there for you as well. Um, I know sometimes it's cost prohibitive just to even go to a range and, and rent things. Um, you might be able to do it once or twice or, or, you know, rent, two or three different handguns, but chances are you're not going to probably take the time and the effort and the money to, to go out and rent, you know, a dozen of, of different things and, and try all of them. So um, just knowing somebody or, or being able to get plugged into a group like that is pretty invaluable too. So, um, all right, let's move back around here and um, we will go for another question that we can field and we'll move over to Travis. So what's something that uh, either you want to go around the horn and ask yourself or people um, ask you a lot about? I've got two, but I'll just start off with one of them just for now. Okay. Then we get back around a second cycle. Isn't the gun safer if you don't have a round in the chamber? <laughs> I mean, it's like every, my family members that have gotten their carry permits, that that's been one of the big things is I, I don't know if I want to carry it with one in the chamber. And I'm like, well, you know, that could put you at a disadvantage in certain situations. It's, and I try to explain to them, the gun's not going to go off in the holster, you know, unless maybe it's like a P320 and you drop it, but that's, you know, it's a whole different scenario. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I, it, it's, it's in a Kydex holster. It's in, it's, it's in a hybrid holster. It's not going to go off. It's Okay to keep one in the chamber you want it so you can use it if you need it with no delays you know it's, i don't know i i it, i just simple logic the mechanics behind the trigger is too hard for my family to understand i don't know I, but uh yeah yeah that's a big one for us all right excuse me um so does that convince them when you say that or does it take a little bit more explanation 
or or have you ever actually sat down with with the uh, the unloaded handgun and shown somebody exactly how the safety the internal safety mechanisms work to uh, to make it to where it's it's safe to carry with one in the chamber? I think maybe it was just a, a safety confidence thing with those two family members specifically because they had since changed, and the other one had to do with you know you you've got to have a mechanical safety and it's got to be on when it's in your holster and. that too you know and it's it's just like little gun cliche things you kind of run into that just so often pop up so i I would i would say yeah is it actually and you know i actually showed him a couple videos on youtube where they show the distance a person can make at you full speed in the time it takes you to draw and you know chamber around the two or two or three seconds whatever it is you know and and how somebody closing in on you could you know close that gap quickly at full speed so it's to your advantage to actually have one in the chamber but They've since changed, but I think it's just more confidence with the weapon as time has gone on. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so let's send that one back around the horn. Nighthawk, do uh, do people ever bring that one up to you as far as being afraid to carry with one in the chamber? Uh, yeah, actually, it's something that I get fairly often. It's not unusual to get it two weekends a month, actually, okay. uh, with newer shooters when I'm taking them out to the range. I, I don't just talk about that. I do that a lot. And uh, will we have a full conversation about it? I will demonstrate um, a draw to a target uh, with a round in the chamber, and then even teach a, a basic high-level overview of the Israeli carry technique, the Israeli draw, and yeah. talk, uh, you know, just about the difference. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry, uh, talk, sorry. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> talk about the difference in that, you know, and I really move that conversation back towards putting one in the chamber right and keeping that weapon at the ready just the way travis or most of i would say 99.9 percent of us are going to talk um i carry a glock 19 on a kydex holster and i talk about you know <laughs> two decades a weapon has been on my hip that has never been an issue right <laughs> because the trigger is protected but from day one, all of my instruction revolves around what makes a gun go boom and what does not make a gun go boom, right? So we talk from day one about keeping your finger off the trigger, being observant of where your muzzle is pointed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So by the time we get to that conversation, well, they're pretty well convinced that the gun's not going to magically fire itself. So it's not as much of a push as it would be to do it with a random person. With random people, I mainly focus on what level of expertise do you expect to achieve when you're going to have your weapon in a position where it is most likely to malfunction. So most of the malfunctions that are going to happen on a weapon are going to happen on chambering a weapon. And if I have my range bag with me, I'll give them a couple of dummy rounds in a magazine with my own ammunition and let them shoot it to demonstrate potentially the failure, right? Because a lot of times when they're coming off a dummy round and trying to rechamber that next one in a hurry, they'll get a missed chamber. They'll either double feed the the pistol or, you know, not or short check it. So um, ultimately, for me, it's about having the logical conversation and showing people the why. All right. Great stuff. Um, Pat, does that one uh, come up with you at all as far as people that don't want to carry with one in the chamber? Uh, yeah, actually, it kind of goes both ways. Um, I know some uh, of my older friends that have wheel guns and stuff, and they still will not to this day carry one uh in the chamber that the hammer is down on just because you know they grew up in a little bit different time where 
Um, the gun could go off if it was dropped on the ground or something like that. But, you know, uh, as far as uh, new shooters go, um, yeah, I've demonstrated it several times, especially with some of the uh, guns out there that have the decocking mechanism or even with having something that actually has a hammer on it still and with the hammer back carrying it that way. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, I say as long as that hammer is down and there's one in the chamber, you know, 99.99% of the guns nowadays are drop safe. And uh, I tell them as, as long as you're careful with it and, uh, and as long as you're wanting to come up to a really quick draw with it and not having to worry about going click and nothing being in the chamber, yeah, I... I completely agree with having one in the chamber and that's that's kind of what I've taught in the past. But you bring up a very good point too that there are some older designs of revolvers that uh that have the the hammer mounted firing pin and you know depending on um a lot of different factors I mean chances are are still so slim as to be you know basically none that that's ever going to go off in the holster that the, the chances of anything hitting the back of the hammer hard enough to discharge it while it's in the holster. I can't think of any situation. Now, if it falls out and it, and it falls on the ground and it lands on the hammer, then yeah, we'd be talking a completely different, um, uh, completely different story there. Um, but, uh, but that practice, yeah, that goes back to actually the old, is it, it's the cap and ball revolvers, right? That didn't have, a um, any kind of a, a way to um, carry them in, in, you know, with the, with any kind of safety on the revolver. And so um, that's the way I always understood it was that um, a lot of people carried an, an empty round under the, or an empty chamber under the hammer um, with the old, uh, either the cap and ball or the, the early cartridge revolvers. And a lot of it was for the same way because the, the uh, firing pin was still mounted on the hammer. Exactly, exactly. And that's where a lot of that lore kind of comes from is clear back in the day, not nowadays. Yeah. Now, uh, some of the, I shouldn't say some, most any modern production um, center fire revolver is, is going to have a, a transfer bar system. And uh, if you know how the transfer bar works, you can actually... Um, you can see that little piece come up and if that little piece doesn't come up because the trigger didn't get pulled then the hammer cannot um the hammer itself isn't what contacts the the primer it's it's on the other side of that transfer bar the hammer hits the transfer bar which which pushes the firing pin into the into the primer and and that only happens when the transfer bar is in place that only happens when the trigger gets pulled it's it's a it's a very um not a very complex, but a, a little bit more complex mechanical process than, you know, pull trigger and hammer hits firing pin. And so, um, it's, it's a lot more like the, uh, um, like the trigger internal trigger safety on a modern striker fire, um, handgun with the, with the striker block and, and things like that. It, it, it works kind of similar to that process. So definitely know what you have. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if, if you're getting something that is, that is modern, whether it's revolver or automatic, um, 
it is designed to be carried. And if it's designed to be carried, it's designed to be carried with one in the chamber um, for sure. Yehuda, what do you tell people when they ask you about carrying with one in the chamber? Well, first off, everyone knows I carry with one in the chamber in my community. And I believe I'm the only person that does carry. I mean, from all the people I know that carry, we're talking about probably around 10 to 15 people. Um, I'm the only one that carries with a brown in the chamber. Uh, a lot of people say they bring up that age-old excuse of, well, there's more. it's more prone to accidents happening if you carry one in the chamber. Um, and then a lot of them are former Israeli uh israelis who were in the idf and obviously you know we all know the idf and and israeli mentality is you know you don't carry one in the chamber um so i get a lot of flack for it but when people come up to me um i mean one of my best friends he he comes up to me and he's like yeah man i train by you know unholstering and, and racking it on my on my pants i'm like yeah but when you're wearing suit pants it's not gonna work it's gonna rip your pants and then you know it's not gonna happen um, so I, I do the, I, I do two things depending on who you are. Um, if, if you're someone who I know, but I'm, I'm not necessarily close with, I bring out the whole, you know, are you going to tell me that you don't wear a seatbelt because, you know, the chances of you getting into an accident are slim and you're going to have time to buckle the seatbelt when you get hit with a car and, they all they always look like a deer in the headlights with that one. Um, but for my friends who always give me a hard time, I stand probably three to four feet away from them. I have them put their hands in their pockets, and my hands are right by my side. I said, on the count of three, I said, and I'm even giving you the chance. On the count of three, I want you to pull your hands out of your pocket and try to stop me from punching you in the arm. And they can they they can't do it. it they're it's too slow because they have to get it out in the round. I'm just, you know, one a one-two punch type of thing. And I'm like, that's exactly what carrying a round in the chamber is. You just have that added split second. Now, also, I said when your when your adrenaline is pumping and you think you're gonna be able to rack around. For especially when most people I know in my community, first off, don't train. Secondly, if they do go to the range, it's maybe once every three months. And as much as I push them to go, you know, they don't want to listen. But I'm saying, but that aside, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think I, I try to educate them, but you know, I can just show them the door i can't necessarily make them walk through it no and and that's something too that i want to touch on a little bit while we're talking about this is if you absolutely refuse to carry your your edc handgun with one in the chamber then i always tell everybody the same thing when it comes to that i would still much rather see you have it with you and not one chambered than chamber one but leave it at home because you're afraid to carry it that way or not carry it for any other reason so is it ideal in my mind to carry with an empty chamber no it, it's not i carry with with a round chambered as well in in mine and i i carry two different um 
EDC handguns, neither of which have external safety levers um, because they've got the internal safeties, the trigger safety, the, the striker block, all that kind of stuff built in. And so I know that mechanically they cannot fire unless the trigger gets pulled. And I know that the trigger doesn't get pulled because I use holsters that um, that have good trigger coverage so that that's not an issue. And it's never been it's never been a problem for me, although I can remember being a new carrier and not knowing for sure if I should trust what I would heard from everybody that I had already watched a YouTube video or read an article. You know, even though I knew I wasn't entirely sure that I could trust the gun that I had bought. And so I remember carrying for maybe a day or two um, with uh, uh, with a cock striker on an empty chamber because it was a Glock 19. So um, the way that Glock works, it's a little bit different on the trigger than a lot of other striker fired handguns to where um, if the if the trigger gets pulled and and the, the striker falls on an empty chamber and you don't rack the slide, then the trigger stays back kind of like a, more like a single action um, revolver does. And uh, the trigger doesn't move forward again until you've actually um, cycled the slide on that Glock. So what I'm saying is it's easy to tell a quick visual inspection after carrying all day, um, whether or not that trigger got tripped and whether or not the, the striker got released. And after a day or two of carrying like that and seeing that, nope, the, the, the trigger's fine. It can't fire itself. It can't go off on its own. I went ahead and started carrying with one of the chamber after that. Um, and I carried that Glock long enough to, to trust that. So by the time I got my shield, I, I knew that um, I could trust that. And, and I don't have a problem trusting, um, you know, good quality carry guns to to have one in the chamber i don't have cheap stuff that i i don't have to worry you know um that i might have to worry about so um looks like yehuda had to jump out we didn't get a chance to, to let him say good night but thanks for joining us yehuda very very cool to have him with us whenever we get the chance there um all right so um let's see let's move over to nighthawk and we will have you kick off the next question so this is one of my favorite ones from uh, new carriers, and that is, what do I do with my weapon if there's a sign on the door that says no carry? And All so right. in my state, concealed uh, no gun signs, if formatted properly, carry the weight of law. And so for some of those people, the thought is... Um, you know, do I turn around, go back to my car and return the weapon to the car and then come back unarmed into the shop? Or do, as I'm concealed carrying anyway, do I just sneak past that sign and into the store? And I'd like to start with the panel first before I give my answer. All righty. Well, then, um, Travis, looks like you came off mute. We'll just let you go ahead and start. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on where I'm going into. Um, obviously, you know, if you're the kind of person that thinks that you must carry everywhere you go, you know, you start thinking about hospitals, post offices, government offices, uh, things that, you know, we're taught that are no-nos in our classes versus just running in maybe to pay the cable bill or just running in to pick up some food or something. Uh, 
I think I would just rather feel safe just having it on me and just not worry about that. So that's that's kind of my take on it. I mean, that's I'm not saying break the law. You make the judgment you want to. But, you know, if they're not going to provide adequate security to protect me, then I will protect myself. All right, Pat, do you have anything you want to uh, add on top of that? Well, there's an old saying. I would rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. And that's where I'll leave it. (laughs) All right. Um, And I will go ahead because I've got a couple different things that I want to say before you go ahead and give your answer, Nighthawk. Um, I, I guess first and foremost, you need to know your state laws. Because if you live in a state where you can ignore such a sign, then you do what you want to do. Um, again, the whole point of carrying concealed is nobody knows it's there, right? So um, if you can get in and get out and and not have to worry about the weight of law, then make your own decisions there. Um, now, if you live in a state like Nebraska, where three of the four of us do here, uh, that are in this panel, then it doesn't matter where the sign is located. Um, it still carries the weight of law. So if if a business is posted that, uh, you know, no concealed firearms, then you have to abide by that no different than if it was a bank or a church or any of the other prohibited places here in Nebraska. Um, and so I understand the concept. It depends on, I suppose, a lot of different situational, um, uh, factors, you know, cause, cause every situation maybe is going to be potentially a bit of a one-off, but, um, ultimately this is where I tend to land on, on the topic is, um, if you made a mistake and you didn't see the sign, that is, that's one situation. But if you decided you wanted to ignore it, and you saw the sign, you didn't care, um, you went into that business anyway and, and carried concealed, it's no different than if you don't care that it's illegal to take your, your carry gun into a bank um, or onto school property or anything like that. You've broken the law no matter what. And you did so blatantly, you did so knowingly. And <clears throat> if you're willing to break the law intentionally, just, I don't know, to, to prove a point or whatever is the case, then I just want you to understand that you're not making it any easier for those of us who try and and fight for the Second Amendment rights for all of us. Um, you're not making the rest of us look good, for sure. You're making the rest of us look bad. Um, that may or may not, you may, may or may not care about such a thing like that. Um, but what I'm going to say is that if you're willing to break the law, then you're not a law abiding background check passing citizen anymore. You're a criminal. You're not one of us. And I think I'll just leave it at that. So let's kick it back over to you, Nighthawk. You can have the floor now. So this question comes up a lot for me, as you can imagine. Sure. And I always answer it the same way. I hand them a card. And on that card is printed the following statement. Unfortunately, due to a sign on your door, you lost business today. Mm -hmm. I want to continue to do business with your organization. And so do 
2.8 million Eastern Tennesseans who conceal carry on a daily basis. I understand that it may or may not be your decision, but I encourage you to prevent the loss of your business by removing that sign. It's a simple card. I disarm myself before I go into the store. I deliver the card and then I take them back a step. I don't shop anywhere that does not allow me to be armed to go in there. There are places that we all agree you have to go where you have to disarm yourself to go into those places, schools, hospitals, government facilities, things of that nature. But ultimately, if I have a choice as a consumer as to whether or not I will shop at a place that allows concealed carry or shop at a place that does not, I will choose the other place on the back end of that. So this, by the way, is my gateway conversation into advocacy for the Second Amendment. So this is their little taste of what impact they can have through a little Second Amendment advocacy now that they've become a part of the gun community. Very, very cool. And yeah, those cards are actually, um, there's numerous places that you can uh, you can get those cards and, and it's, you don't have to make fancy ones. I mean, um, most templates, you, you can do, you know, a full... Uh, full sheet of paper and then you just cut them apart and, and you've got a couple with you you can hand them out as needed and i've seen those too those are really really cool um and you know and and sometimes it's something as simple as that maybe not the first person that does it but if if the manager or the owner finds out that they're losing business because of that sign then um you know there's no shortage of stories where um law-abiding background check passing citizens did get that sign removed because enough people brought to uh to the manager or the owner's attention that, that they're they're not willing to shop there um and so you know it it goes when it comes to a private business like that it, it's no different than um requiring a mask or anything like that you know if it's not government mandated and a, just the private business wants to tell you that you have to have a mask to shop there then either put on a mask and shop there or shop elsewhere same thing with that sign on the door, right? You don't have to go in there, then nobody's forcing you to go in there. But I just, I can't stress enough. And maybe not ever, you know, maybe nobody else on the panel wants to, wants to agree with me on this and that's fine. But in my mind, um, if you, uh, if you see the sign and you blatantly ignore that, especially in a state like this one where it's illegal to carry um, any place that has that sign posted, then you're you're not one of us. You're not helping us. You're not doing us any good. And you just as well be a, a robber or a criminal. Be, well, you are a criminal. Um, and you did. You became so willingly. And uh, I, I guess at that point, there's not much else that you and I can have a conversation about when it comes to to gun ownership because you've already shown that you don't uh, you don't care about the law. So I'm not saying that I want to go someplace where I'm disarmed. I'm not saying that I, I want to be uh, helpless like that. What I'm saying is that if I'm going to talk about the things that I talk about week in and week out and then turn around and be willing to to break the law and become a criminal like that, then, I mean, what good is, is my hypocritical butt doing in this uh, in this fight either? I mean, I, I've basically negated myself as an effective uh as an effective piece on, on the, on the game board. So that's just how I feel about that. Uh, we've got rich white with us. What's up, Mr. White. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going glad to have you along. 
Um, I don't know how much of this you've caught so far tonight, um, but we're going to give you a chance to, uh, to, to jump in and sound off a little bit. So um, when it comes time to, uh, uh, or not when it comes time, but when you, when you walk up to a business door and you see a sign posted that says no concealed carry firearms, um, what do you do in a situation like that? In this state, it doesn't matter because it doesn't carry weight of law unless it's somewhere like a post office. But if you're going to, like, um, say, the uh, local store or whatnot and they have a sign, the most they can do is ask you to leave. Okay. See you with it. All righty. That'd be very, very cool to live in a state like that, that the sign doesn't uh, doesn't carry the weight of law. That'd be nice. Yeah, out there in the chat. um Sandhill Sweetheart said, we don't go into Cheesecake Factory in Omaha for the same reason. I've told that story before a couple times. Uh, real quick, um, the sign that, that they have posted is not on the door. It's actually on the, the side window next to the door. Um, and it's about this far off the ground. And it's actually um, halfway hidden behind a shrub. Not only that, but that, that uh, side window is mirrored. So it's almost impossible to see, especially on a bright, uh, sunny day from the outside. It's almost impossible to, to read the sign. Um, it's a lot easier to see it as you're walking out after you've already had your lunch and you didn't know that you maybe were breaking any laws until you got ready to walk back outside. And then you saw the sign from the inside. Um, I'm not saying that that's happened, but that's happened to maybe somebody that uh, that you can hear right now. And so um, without admitting that I've broken any laws, um, the, the problem is that, again, it, it's I didn't blatantly do it. I didn't know the sign was there until it was too late. Um, nothing bad came of it. And it was one of those, you know, don't ask, don't tell, no harm, no foul type of a deal. But now that I know that sign is there, um, I would just as soon give you know, any other restaurant, in my business besides that one for the same reason. I, I don't want to have to disarm to, to go into a place like that. Um, out there in the, in the chat, Justin Gibbons said again, is that sign stopped any of the mass shootings? And it's not about whether the, the sign's going to stop a mass shooting. Um, clearly they don't. And, and that's the biggest issue that I think all of us have with having to disarm is that's where the mass shootings happen. 99 times out of a hundred um what they figure up since since 1950 there's been um over 98 percent of mass shootings have happened in a gun-free zone so it doesn't take much of a rocket surgeon to figure out that that's because they know that there aren't going to be people shooting back at them not until the cops show up and they've got some time to to go on a spree and so um most of us don't want to be caught in a position like that unless we absolutely don't have another choice. Um, what I'm saying is there are times that we don't have another choice. Um, if we want to be law abiding background check passing citizens. So at that point, you've got a choice between disarming and being legal or not disarming and being a criminal. And you can call it whatever you want semantics wise, but if you choose not to disarm and you go into that place anyway, you're a criminal. And not in every state. Obviously, uh, every state's got their own laws. Um, 
where rich is, you know, it's not that way for private businesses. Um, but just keep that in mind that if you willingly break the law, that's what makes you a criminal. And then you're no different than the people who the gun laws don't apply to. And, and you just make the rest of our jobs that much harder. So, okay. Um, up seven's got a question. Let's see here. Um, sincerely appreciate your respect for the law. Uh, what if Biden and friends pass a law that says you can't carry outside of your home or property? Um, well, first of all, I don't think that they can pass such a law um, before they can pass such a law and have it be effective. They would have to strike the uh, the uh, language of the Second Amendment from the Constitution, which I don't think they're going to get that done. Keep in mind, even if the Second Amendment got repealed, that doesn't mean we don't have a right to keep and bear arms. That just means that it's not enumerated in the Constitution. So no matter what happens to the language on the document, that doesn't ne necessarily negate us having the right to keep and bear arms. Um, there are certain states now that say that you can't carry outside your home um, unless you've got, you know, that that permit made of unobtainium that uh, the, the Clio has, has said it's okay for you to have such a permit. Um, you know, there are places that, that that's already the case. Um, but here's the thing is um, everybody's got to make that choice for themselves. At what point do you respect the law? And at what point do you um, stop respecting the law and, and decide that, um, that unconstitutional laws aren't laws at all? So, I mean, we could have a whole nother night's conversation just about such a thing as that. Um, that everybody's going to have to to make their own choice there. Yeah, I don't see them getting 60 votes on that anyway. The Senate's going to be split more now than what it has been the past what, 20 years. You're going to have it's going to be a sl slimmest of margins with whoever takes over the Senate whether Republicans hold it or the Democrats hold it. It's going to be like yeah. 51 or 52 person majority and that's it they're not going to be able to get any of these anti-gun laws passed. Remember we had a, on the Republican side had a 54 member majority and couldn't get any of the pro-gun laws passed because the Demo none of the Democrats would back them. You're going to have the same thing now on the opposite side of the, the ledger where the Democrats are going to try and pass anti-gun bills and they're not going to be able to, because they're not going to be able to get 60 votes to do it. That's not the part that scares me, though. The part that scares me is all the talk of the executive orders um, and and some of the precedent that we've seen in the last four years of Trump with his executive orders. Um, some of the things that or some of the things that he's instructed the ATF to do um, or some of the things that the ATF has just done on their own without any kind of presidential oversight. And so um that's going to be the biggest issue in my mind is there's going to be a lot of end run um, plays that are designed to go completely around the, the legislative branch altogether. And we're just going to see more and more of that crap happen. So um, anyway, that kind of gets us away from the, the topic tonight. We'll, we'll have to come back and revisit some of that stuff here in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, all right. So we've, we've covered a few different things and Rich, we'll give you a chance here to, uh, to, to put out the next question here. Um, so when it comes to people that are asking you questions, whether they're new gun owners or maybe somebody that, that's got a question that they've just never known who else to ask, um, what do you get as far as, as a question like that? Are revolvers still viable? Okay. That's a great one. Yeah, I get that one a lot. And when you're talking about the average person-to-person uh, -person shooting incident in a self-defense situation, you're looking at three shots fired at most in most of those self-defense shootings, unless somebody just keeps pulling the trigger until it's empty, which also happens. But generally, three shots, and that's it. So with that in mind, and it's usually one uh, assailant as well. With that in mind, if you're walking down the street, you're having to draw your weapon, you have a six-shot, five-shot, eight-shot, whatever size revolver, generally that is going to be enough. Now, with the current climate we have where people are, depending on where you live, where you have people rioting and whatnot, you might want something with a larger capacity. But in a standard self-defense situation, yes, a revolver can still be a viable firearm for carry. And keep in mind, kids, that the fastest reload for any revolver is a second revolver. So we'll throw that one in there, too. Um, this is true. A, a, second, a second revolver is, is a great... Um, alternative to to reloading uh or carrying the, those speed loaders and things like that because nothing's as fast as pulling out another one um but that works for for automatics too what is it that clint smith always says um one yeah, is none two, two is one right. and one is none <laughs> uh, by the way i caught your um discussion on the cap and ball and single action revolvers a cap and ball had a safety notch in the cylinder Okay. So if you could actually have it fully loaded and drop the hammer into that safety notch and it wouldn't strike the okay. uh, the cap to set it off if you were to drop it or whatnot. They had to do away with that with the center fire revolvers because there wasn't enough steel between the cylinders with the overlap of the rim of the cartridge. Okay. Okay. So it was the the cold 1873s then? Is that where the, the practice became prevalent to to uh yeah, carry on, that, on an yeah, empty chamber 73s and what and some people would do it with their uh number three smith and wessons as well okay okay which actually that's got to be a lot easier to to line that up because how does that work on a on a single action um side gate loader you you load one skip one and then load four more right I think Somewhere, is that, and some, I yeah, think along those lines, yeah. I think that's right, and then that should bring the empty one back around under the uh, under the hammer. Then when you've when you've loaded that that fifth one in there, so yeah, with with the those break top number threes, it was so much easier. You just because you could just spin the cylinder around and then just close it, and it was right there. Sure, sure, that'd be a lot easier. All right, um, okay. So are revolvers still viable? Let's take that one around the room real quick here. Um, Pat, we'll start with you this time. Uh, yeah, I think they still are. Um, as far as a reliability versus like a semi-automatic, especially on some of the little bit more finickier ones that need to be kept a little bit cleaner. 
or in a little bit better environment. Um, yeah, I think uh, if you're going to be in a real dirty kind of dusty situation or if uh, you're you're not going to clean the gun as much, kind of load it and forget it kind of situation, I think, uh, especially <laughs> not to be picking on the women or anything out there, but uh, a revolver riding around in a purse. <laughs> and again, not picking on the women, but uh, all the lint and stuff that builds up inside of a purse and everything. Just ask my wife. Um, yeah, I think a revolver would be a good little option. Um, but again, you look at the flip side of that to play devil's advocate. Just like Rich said, look at the current climate that we're in, too. And it all depends on where you live and everything. So, yeah, I, I think a revolver in most situations is probably still a viable operation, especially if you can get something that's a good eight shot mm -hmm. versus a six or a five. You know, more ammo, the better off you are. But, and, uh, yeah, just like you were saying before, uh, the only way to speed load a revolver is another revolver unless you're Jerry Mitchellack. So <laughs> it's true, but I don't think anybody in their right mind that knows who that is would ever uh, try to start something with him anyway. Um, exactly. Because not only is he going to deal with the threat, but he's going to deal with it in literally world record time. <laughs> yeah. Just a hair under two seconds. And he could probably put down about six to seven people with uh, double taps in between. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody I'd be even more worried about with the revolver in his hands is Kentucky ballistics. He set the world record for shooting 500 Magnum. He did it with a three inch snub nose and did it in about a second. Wow. That's a little scary. Were those full boat production rounds or were they light yes. loads? Do you know? Yeah, they were full on 500 <laughs> Magnums. Wow. And right, Jerry yeah. Mitchell is the one that witnessed it and timed him on the clock doing it. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Well, let's keep moving this around the horn. Nighthawk Medic, what do you think? Revolver is still viable? Yeah, I think they're starting to see their time. Um, I carry one as a backup only. Uh, there was never a point in my life where I would have trusted a revolver as a primary, but I'm a remember most of my carry isn't necessarily for personal defense it's for sheepdog purposes and so for me i i carry as much ammunition on me as i can humanly carry without destroying my ability to conceal the weapon so i have a a nine millimeter revolver in a secondary location on my body and about 72 rounds of ammunition at all times for my primary so from the perspective of if if our thought process is ever that potentially we might have to do a multiple target engagement and we're going to use a revolver that's comfortable for most of the general population, well, then we're stepping back caliber. There isn't a huge proliferation of nine millimeter revolvers. 357 tends to be a little sparky, even for full grown men. And certainly, the, 38 special doesn't have the stopping power that we're looking for um, on a one shot. So ultimately, I think that your average revolver on your average person has begun to show its age. It's becoming an antique. All right, there we go. Um, Travis, we haven't had you answer that one yet. So what do you think as far as revolvers being viable? 
Well, you know, I don't see any of us volunteering to want to step in front of a 44 Magnum or a 357 round to test and see if it's going to be effective or not. Um, I'm not even volunteering I, to step in front of a 22. Yeah, no. Um, I, you know, again, what everybody's saying, it depends on the environment. I, I guess maybe it just depends on the user. If I don't know, I, I think anybody can be trained on just about any on any firearm with enough time and practice. There's a lot of to be said about the simplicity of a revolver, you know. But there's just a lot of issues you can run into. I I got to go with Nighthawk on this one. I think that the era of the revolvers just kind of easing away slowly, you know, because the the effectiveness of the semi-automatics and the capacity that you can get out of some of these now that are semi-autos and the size and the weight being comparable to a small revolver. Yeah, it, they'll work, but I would say they're definitely not not a best primary choice. A revolver. So, yeah, no. And I'm going to go ahead and say the exact opposite. I think that revolvers are just as strong now as they've ever been. Um, I shouldn't, maybe not as they've ever been, because obviously up until um, up until the 80s and 90s, um, automatics weren't that popular for most people. Uh, so I shouldn't say has ever been. But in the last 20 years, say, um, I think that, that the revolver hasn't really gone by the wayside very much. There are a lot of things that can be said about them. Um, number one, you don't ever have to worry about um, a state having an arbitrary magazine capacity limit because they don't have detachable magazines. Um, number two, you've got options depending on who you are and, and what your wrist can take. Um, you know, you, you might have an option for a, a 22, um, long rifle or, or better yet, 22 Magnum revolver, um, clear up to 44 Magnum or, or 454 or 500 Smith and Wesson. Um, you know, if, if you can handle that, that Red Hawk in, uh, in 480 Ruger and your wrist can take it, you can carry such a thing and it's not going to take up a ton of room. Um, and you're still going to have five shots there. So the, um, depending on, again, a lot of one-off scenarios, um, when it comes to, you know, not even point blank contact, but, but <laughs> literal contact with the muzzle, um, revolvers don't get pushed out of battery. So there's something to be said there. There are a lot of things that I think people can say about revolvers that are still good. Um, again, it depends on who made it, but if it's, you know, if it's a good quality from a good reputable, reputable manufacturer uh, revolver, then you don't have to worry about it um, being junk. You don't have to worry about it going out of time for, for years and years to come. Uh, you, you just have to, to give it, you know, keep an eye on it d depending on how much you're firing the thing. Um, and of course, keep it clean um, and know what you're doing. If if you're if you're carrying a 357 um, and you mostly shoot 38s at the range, then make sure you get your your chambers clean very well in your cylinder. Same thing with 44 magnums, or and if you're practicing with 44 specials or whatever is the case, just make sure that you're not getting so much buildup that you can't chamber those longer rounds. Um, you know, know what you're doing know know what you have and and how it operates but i i think for the for the wheel gun disciples um i think you know there's there's no shortage of people that would come out and, and say that it's it's definitely viable so that's that's just again that's my opinion we've got different people on the panel that that 
say and, and feel differently. And, and that's why we have these discussions because you out there listening and you out there watching, um, maybe you've been thinking that, you know, you might want to get into, to having a revolver as an option. Um, I say, go for it. Um, they, uh, there are a lot of advantages still to, to carrying that revolver. And sometimes it's that long double action pull that, that makes people, um, you know, be okay with, with having all of the chambers loaded, right? Knowing that the gun's not going to go off on its own because it's got a transfer bar and the hammer can't contact the, the, uh, the cartridge. Um, so, I mean, again, we've talked about a lot of that stuff tonight. So, yeah, I mean, based simply on the um, ammo capacity angle, one of the most popular carry guns is the Smith and Wesson Shield, either a nine millimeter, forty Smith and Wesson, the Smith and Wesson model six eighty six plus holds the same ammunition in three fifty seven Magnum. Yep, exactly, exactly right. Although it's going to be a little bit harder to conceal than a shield is. So there is there is that there's always there's always pros and cons and there's always trade offs they when make a, they do make a snubnose version. That's true they do. That's true they do, and it's not going to be that much thicker than than what the shield is. So all right, I think everybody's had a chance to throw a question out except Pat. We haven't gone to you yet. So um, I know you've got more than one, but uh, we're running out of time. So pick your favorite off your list there, Pat, and uh, go ahead with that one. There he is. Um, I've always been asked this one off and on. Um, what kind of carry ammo should I use? So, and I know there's a lot of different ones out there, and a lot of them do pretty much the same thing, and it's all a matter of prefer preference and just looking at ballistics and you know, whole size. What? <laughs> what? How big of a hole can I make it? And uh, how? Uh, how will one shot, or if one shot will do the trick? So, um, I carry Hornady critical defense in my nine millimeter. So, and I've put that up against water jugs and just about everything else I can throw at it, just to see what it will do. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be a frozen turkey or, you know, just what have you. And I like the way it works. So that's that's just the option that I carry. So and like I said, there's a lot of different options out there, but that's one of the things that I get asked. And which which caliber is that that you carry that in? In the critical defense? Yeah. Nine millimeter. Okay. All right. So let's go. And I do have some for the, uh, the I've got the red tip for the 357 too. Okay. Alrighty. So always good to see uh, somebody that's carrying some Hornady that is produced right in our home state. So that's pretty nice. Um, all right, Nighthawk, we will move over to you when people say, what should I carry for, for concealed carry ammo? So I tell people all the time, I've treated a lot of gunshot wounds in my life and anything that'll open up when it hits makes people leak a lot. And so ultimately what I would tell people is, you know, I'm a Hornady critical defense guy too, when it comes to the nine millimeter. Um, as a matter of fact, I think everything I have is Hornady critical duty or defense. Yeah. Even my 45 and 44 Magnums. So, um, 
I like the Hornadies. I think they run, it's a good round. I've never had one fail to open up, but you know, if you've got something out there, if that uh, opens up consistently and, and presents a much larger wound track, then you have the potential to make the bad guy leak faster, which works to your advantage. Nope. Very, very cool. All right, Travis, we'll move over to you with that question. Well, I'm going to disagree with you guys because uh, <laughs> not that I don't support Hornady, but the few times I've taken Hornady Critical Defense out, uh, I've also taken a few other brands of hollow point ammunition with me. I've discovered that Critical Defense does not always feed reliably and everything from the, you know, the $1,000 Colt 1911 9mm that I just played with a couple weeks ago to the $200 Taurus PT-111 that can have feeding issues on that first round of Critical Defense, which could be a reloading issue. It is a life or death decision, the defense ammo that you're going to take with you. So I would highly recommend that you take a couple different boxes of a couple different varieties and see which one's going to run reliably for you. Because you might get the recommendation of critical defense. There might be four people in that gun shop that say, oh, yeah, critical defense, critical defense. And then you get it, and every second or third round jams in your firearm because of that little polymer tip getting caught on the feed ramp. So... I tell people, get a box of critical defense. Now, this was before when it was easier to get ammo. Get a box of spear gold dots. Get a box of, what, Federal HSTs, Hydroshocks. And then just whichever one the gun is going to feed reliably with no issues. Then after that point, if let's just say the gun can eat all three with no issues. Um, then say, you know, just go with either whatever you can find or whatever you feel most comfortable with when you shoot it. Because they're all going to have different recoils recoil impulses not that that's going to matter when a life or death situation you're not going to be thinking about hey i wonder how this is going to feel when i pull the trigger no you're going to be terrified you're just going to be pulling the trigger anyway but i always recommend a couple different brands just to make sure the gun can run it and i ended up doing that on my own carry gun it's expensive it sucks having to drop 75 or 100 dollars on four little 25 round boxes and then go back and buy another box or two to top off your mags but that's just what i think the smarter decision is uh in a carry gun Nope. Very good stuff. Defense dad says kind of the same thing. You, you have to try different ones and see what runs reliably in the gun. Some of his run already well, some won't. So yep, definitely makes a difference. Um, all right, Rich, we'll move over to you. Carry ammo. Depends on what caliber I'm carrying. Um, and what gun even my G2 seats got federal, uh, hydroshock in it. It won't run the Hornady critical defense or critical duty. My SIG, P365, I got 135 grand critical duty in it. It loves it. My uh, P10C, it has the critical defense in it. 115 grain in that. My uh, 40s, well, you guys already know what I carry in the 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Corbin uh, Powerball. And then 357, it's a uh, Spear Gold Dot. So you you are a very, very great example of somebody who's already tried several different ones, found out what works, found out what doesn't. Um, and the place to find that out is always at the range, not um, not when you need it, not when it's too late. Um, you don't ever want to be caught wishing that you had, had bought some other kind of ammo because what you're using, um, you know, hangs up in your gun. The place to do that. Obviously, that's at the range in a controlled environment where it's not life and death. Um, and what I actually carry, if I can get to it here, I moved the sock monkey out of the way. Um, it is Hornady, but it's not critical defense or critical duty. This is actually American Gunner. Um, this is the 100 and I think it's the 124 grain. It is 124 grain uh, plus P9 millimeter. And I have run that through the Glock. I've run it through the shield. Uh, we've run it through the Walther. 
Um, everything that we've got feeds it reliably. It cycles well. Um, I've never actually fired it at anything um, besides just a target at the range to make sure that it cycles. Um, and then a couple times a year, I'll, I'll shoot my carry ammo um, so that I can change it out for some fresh stuff. But yeah, uh, I forgot one. I, oh, forgot go ahead. My, I forgot my Shield EZ380. That has Underwood Extreme Penetrator in it. Nice. All righty. Uh, hey, uh, John, is that the FTX bullet, though? Those are not the polymer tip bullets, right? In the American Gunner? Um, traditional hollow point they're called xtp bullets they're XTPs, they're yeah, extreme yeah. terminal performance um yeah. they yeah they they have um they're hollow point but they just have a an open cavity yeah so they don't yeah, have I think the little anything in them thing is what causes the issues with certain angles of feed ramps and stuff so yeah i've, yeah. I've never had an issue with with any of my guns feeding the the american gunner um and it's you know depending on what where you find it. I mean, last time I, I bought this stuff, I stocked up on it because I think it was at Cabela's. They had it on sale for like f under 15 bucks a box. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a box of 25. So, um, they're, like they're not at the farm stores. They'll carry that, but they won't carry critical defense or critical duty. Like you'll see the American gunner up there in its place, you know, or mm -hmm. Hornady custom. You'll see that instead of critical defense. So yep. it's just and, sometimes it pops up at certain stores. Yeah. And the reason I bought the plus P was just because it was on sale. I really don't know that it, especially in, in a, uh, like a shield with that three inch barrel. I don't know that I gain enough velocity to make a huge difference. Um, but, uh, you know, when it's, when it's two and a half, three dollars a box less than, than the normal, uh, 115 grain standard pressure right next to it, I'm going to go ahead and buy the one that's on sale. So that's what we happen to have. And they, yeah, um, I I can feel it when I shoot it. it. It feels a little peppier. I've never put one on a chronograph to to see if we actually gain that much muzzle velocity. Um, but uh, um, I have trusted several different articles and and videos that I've seen with with that XTP bullet. Um, they seem to uh, they seem to be very very reliable as far as expansion goes through lots of different media. Um, even though it doesn't have that little rubber plug in the, in the hollow point cavity, um, it, it doesn't seem to affect it much and, and they don't, uh, um, they don't have issues really. Anybody that I've ever seen that tested the stuff, um, hasn't had an issue with it, not opening and, and expanding reliably. So I'm, I'm sold on it. I, hopefully I'll never have to, to fire around, um, at another human being and we'll never know. And I'm kind of, I'm okay with not knowing now they're so. they're kind of fun to watch, and this is not the be it all end it all of ammo test, but uh, shooting the bull four ten. His channel over on YouTube is one of the first ones that really brought me into the whole ballistics gel testing thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that that's not the best media to judge a bullet's performance, but just to see how the bullet opens up, the penetration, the the inside wound cavity, I, I'm fascinated by it. I think it's very interesting, and just to see the different performance in some of the bullets or the lack of performance in some of the rounds that were tested really kind of kind of opened my eyes a little bit that did influence my decision a little bit to go with certain brands and certain types after seeing what it does in ballistics gel but that that is really an interesting channel to check out so if you're kind of curious and a lot of the he hasn't made videos for a couple of years but the ammo that he's tested is still for sale so if you're kind of curious about that i think it's shooting the bull 410 is the name of the channel and uh, he's been around for quite a while yeah i don't think i've ever seen any of his stuff 
Really, um, good, really well done videos. He chronos them. He uh, does the ballistics. He takes the gel apart and shows the inside of the wound cavity. Pieces back together the fragments. Shows you what it looks like after it expands. Oh, Pretty cool. interesting. Yeah. Very cool. All right. But yeah, ultimately, um, when it comes to um, figuring out what ammo to carry in, in your, especially if it's a, a self-defense or a home defense uh, firearm, um, it's expensive, but it's worth it to find out what your gun likes. Um, it, it very much makes, can, can be life or death, um, makes a difference um, as far as whether or not it cycles uh, reliably. Uh, and I'm not talking about go shoot a magazine through. Go go shoot, you know, a couple a couple boxes. Shoot shoot that 25 round box through it and, and make sure that you don't have any issues. Um, some people will tell you shoot 100 rounds before you, you trust it. Um, but, uh, but make sure that, uh, uh, you're not going to be plagued with, with jams or, or misfeeds or things like that. Um, because again, I mean, it, it, how much is your life worth? Is your life worth that hundred dollar range experiment is, is your family's life worth it? Is your child's life worth it? Um, don't you want to know for sure that you've got something that you're trusting your life to that it actually warrants that trust? Um, and again, not just your life, but theirs as well. So. And can I endorse the high-speed mag dump with that also, right? So I bought, when I started picking my ammunition, whether it be the critical duty or the critical defense or like the Remington Ultimate Defense in my 380s, I mag dumped those things as fast as the trigger would pull on the weapon. And somebody said, well, that's crazy. That's just spending money. And I said, no, I can be guaranteed the adrenaline will ensure yeah that's the behavior i'll be demonstrating so if there's even a hiccup in feeding when you're mag dumping a weapon that's it you can have all sorts of crazy malfunctions with it so yep exactly right all right well i think we're going to put a pin in the rest of the questions that anybody um maybe brought to the table and we will have to go back through and and do this again here um one of these other nights so uh we will give everybody a chance to uh wrap things up and um we'll give you guys uh any final thoughts that you want to have along with um where people can find you and all that good stuff um, but first we want to again uh thank this week's sponsor this week's episode is sponsored by riding shotgun with charlie Riding Shotgun with Charlie is a great interview show that brings you right into the heart of intimate conversations where you can be a fly on the rearview mirror. The show's host, Charlie Cook, talks freedom, firearms, and anything related with guests from all over the country. Filmed within the safe confines of Charlie's stagecoach, passengers open up about their lives and what is on their mind. Riding Shotgun with Charlie is available on YouTube, Gunstreamer, and the OpsLens app, and most popular podcast platforms. Visit Charlie on the web at ridingshotgunwithcharlie.com, and be sure to check out his cool swag page with all new riding shotgun with charlie t-shirts stickers patches and more so again we want to thank charlie for being gracious enough to help us uh with our live stream so that we can show this off to youtube and facebook at the same time um and uh he's not just a sponsor um like everybody that uh that is has helped us uh with these uh he's also a friend of the channel so Every now and then you'll uh, you'll see Charlie Grace, uh, the podcast with his presence, too. Um, and when he actually gets that stagecoach out to Nebraska, 
then I am going to uh, do whatever I can, beg, borrow, steal, but I'm going to get into that stagecoach. Um, I can't wait to, uh, to have my own chance to ride shotgun with Charlie because um, those are just fun, fun, fun shows to watch. Um, I It's cool how the dynamic works, and I know that he he's said this before, it, it's by design, uh, but the candor that you can get from somebody when you're just sitting in the in the front seat with them driving down the road um you know he and he he does such a good job of making people forget that the cameras are even going and so um it's just if you've never seen that show you need to go check it out um here on the youtube side or uh you can catch him over on facebook too he, he's got the facebook page to so go check that stuff out all right so let's go back through and give everybody a chance just to uh say good night and then any closing thoughts and any shameless plugs uh rich was the last one that came in so we will let you go out first uh so take it away mr white yep sorry i was late been working on uh getting the new computer set up uh speaking of which how's the mic sound sound good sounds great all right it's uh one of those built-in stereo microphones with the webcam on it so it's curious how it sounded so that's ah, cool. good and as far as plugs, be sure to check out uh, the Outlaw Hatfield sh channel Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for the classic wrestling chat. Even though the, last week we talked more of the modern stuff because he's been I've gotten him to where he's watching like AEW. And I'm just on the brink of getting him watching New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. So be sure to check that one out. And then Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Unloaded Media channel, we will have This Week Unloaded, which if you can see my logo. That's Right there so uh, be sure to check that out too and what we're going to talk about on there anybody knows <laughs> could be any of a number of things so all right well thank you very much for uh for joining us and you know what better late than never we don't give uh we don't give tardy slips or demerits when you show up here late so absolutely fine with us uh all right travis p11 we will let you go next Speak for yourself. I give lots of tardies and detentions and demerits. No, I'm supposed to be. You um, might be doing your day job, but you're not allowed to give them out yeah, here. No, no. I pack that stuff away at the door. So, uh, but no, man, I appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. And uh, guys, check out my channel, Travis B11. I review just about everything, primarily guns and ammo. Um, I've also got a B channel called Coffee, Computers, and More, where I just have a lot of fun reviewing coffee, computers, and more. Uh, but otherwise, make sure you guys subscribe to everybody here on the uh, on the panel this evening. And it's been great hanging out. So thank you very much for the invite, man. You bet. Thanks for being here. If it fits yep. on a tabletop, Travis has done a tabletop review of it. In yes. fact, there's even out there, if you know where to look, you can find a tabletop review of a tabletop. This is correct. This is correct. <laughs> and I, I'm finally, finally pretty, it took a while, uh, but we finally got that from him. Yep. Yep. And whenever that second amendment uh, suction cup is ready to go, just let me know. And I'll be happy to, to run through some trials and tests and, you know, make sure it gets put to good use. So <laughs> make sure, make sure you are finding the pew pew Jew on exactly. social media so that you'll yep. know when that is up and running. And that's a, that's an option for us. All right, Travis, thanks for being here. All right. Nighthawk medic. You're up next. Ah, uh, well, John, you know, thanks for having me in. It's always a great show. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, of course, you'll find me on Nighthawk Medic Shoots on YouTube full 30, as well as uh, Facebook and, um, what's that other place uh twitter so in addition to that gang uh, don't forget drag new people shooting uh my channel is all about uh really 
testing firearms to make sure that they are efficient and run correctly for that new shooter. So grab a new shooter, come on over, look at what we have to offer. And thanks again, John. Have a great time. You bet. Thanks for being here. All right. Last but certainly not least, we've got Pat. And I don't know if Lily's still running around this time of night or not. Uh, no, she's officially in bed, and that's probably where she needed to go with the fit she was throwing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, check out everybody's uh, channel here on the panel. And uh, yeah, uh, just wanted to, uh, just in case I don't make it back on before the holiday season officially hits, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, 2021 is a little bit better than 2020 because it's kind of been a uh, S show inside of a dumpster fire. But <laughs> we are Americans. We will make it through and it will be okay. We may have to suffer some hardships and stuff along the way, but hopefully everything will uh, plane out a little bit better next year. I'm hoping. But yeah, everybody stay safe and carry your weapon there you go all righty and let's see who we had joining us tonight we've got we've got the list it's a two-part list here um are these both part of the same right i'm just making sure that that's all supposed to be read right yeah. okay all righty sometimes i've got to be smarter than the list which You'd think that being smarter than a list wouldn't be difficult, but if you knew me, you'd understand. All right there. So the shorter list again this week was on the YouTube side. So out there on the YouTube uh, live chat, we had Justin Gibbons, Jefferson Martial Arts, uh, our Tack and Daughters, Iron Horseman, G23, Pat Hirsch, M. Gabriel, Nighthawk Medic, Rich White, Savage Sharpshooter 93, Earth. I still want to say Eartha. I know it's not. But I'm probably going to say Eartha anyway, because um, that just sounds really, really cool. Um, MJKO Clint Taurus, still my favorite screen name ever. Seven Wonders, Blitz, John Crump was out there. Idaho Rogers USMC, Schofield 63, Ghost Tactical, Cal, Poor Conservative. Clover was out there. Gun Loving Grandpa, Agorizer, Zippy 9898, 402 Outdoorsman, Defense Dad, Tim Foley, and Guy That Comments. Now, over here on the Facebook side, we had quite a list again. Uh, we've got Byron, Michael, uh, John Petrolino, Jennifer, Charlie Cook, that Charlie Cook, you know, the famous one. Uh, Matthew, Dallas, Ray, Ronald, Dean, Mike, Ash, Brian, Jamie, Jim, uh, Raymond. That is that Tina? I think it says Tina. I can't tell if it's Tina or Tuna, but I think it's Tina. Uh, Gerald, Clark, John J, Glenn, Jason, Jim Burgess. Uh, my mother-in-law was out there, Deb, Brian, Dick, Richard, Shane, Gary, oh, Shane B, Gary, um, Grace, Alan, Florence, Shelbert was out there, Philip, Shane R, Darren, Sean, Mike, Lucas, Lee, Steve, Eric, John F, and Mel. So thank you all of you for joining us on the Facebook side, for joining us over there on the YouTube side. Again, if you were watching on YouTube and you didn't comment, we didn't get to see that you were here. So we don't know that you were out there. Um, 
that might have been by design, but we don't like that. We want to know that you're out there watching and uh, that we want to be able to say hello to you. So, um, all righty. Did we say guy that comments? He's out there too. All right. Um, on behalf of Yehuda Reamer, the Pew Pew Jew, who did have to drop out a while ago and wasn't able to hang with us the whole time. Um, on behalf of Rich White, Travis P11, Nighthawk Medic Shoots, Pat, and Lily, uh, Sandhill Sweetheart, and myself, I just want to thank all of you for being here. Um, if you're watching on the replay, then thanks for catching this after the fact. Um, if you're listening to this on the audio only, thank you for checking us out on Anchor, Spotify, any of the places where you're listening to the podcasts. Um, again, if you want to help us out, there are ways that you can do it. We had that super chat earlier. Um, you can be a Patreon patron if you want to. Um, if you want to just send, you know, like a one-time, um, monetary gift on PayPal, you can do such a thing. You can go to blackswantactical.com and get the cool merchandise and get something back for your money. There's Pat modeling that hat off again for us. Um, but the biggest thing that you can do honestly to help us out is just mash that share button. Um, if you haven't subscribed, do so. If your friends haven't, get them to do it. Um, if you haven't liked the Facebook page or if your friends haven't, get them to do it. Um, help us grow that way and just help us grow this podcast. Get it out in front of everybody. Uh, we try to have things that are relevant to say or, or to talk about. Uh, we try to have people in here with us that, that know what know what they're talking about or at least know why they feel the way that they feel uh we're always looking for people to come in and join us so if you want to be part of the panel then just let us know drop us an email sandhillshooter at gmail.com or direct messages over there on the facebook side and uh let us know what it is that you want to talk about and we'll come up with a with a, a night that you can be here and join us as well so Having said all that, thank you all very much. We don't do this without you. We There's no need for us to do this without you. Uh, it's pointless without you. You are what makes this podcast what it is. So we love all of you. We appreciate all of you. Um, we've got one more of these before Christmas, so uh, I'm not going to give you the holiday wishes quite yet. Um, so in the meantime, we will see you next week. I'm not sure what we're going to cover. Um, but, uh, what's that? Maybe something Christmassy. It might be one of those, um, last minute gift ideas or something like that. We'll see what happens. Um, but it will be probably the Christmas edition of the, uh, of this year's get off my lawn podcast. So Tune in next week, same time, same place. Uh, catch us on YouTube and Facebook both. Let everybody know about it. It's time to go, though, now. So as much as we love you, you got to get off my lawn. <laughs>